Wrapping up our conversation about Apple's Worldwide Developers Conference, we're talking about watchOS 7, tvOS 14, the first ever Apple Silicon Mac, and more on this episode of the Macworld Podcast. I'm Roman Loyola, here with Jason Cross. Hello. And we have a special guest in this show. Uh, he covers iOS for our sister site in the UK, Macworld UK. He also covers watchOS, so we thought it would be a good opportunity to have him on. This is Macworld UK editor David Price. How you doing, David? Really good. Really okay. good. A bit, bit depressed with lockdown, but good to be on the show. Yeah. No, it's nice to have you. Nice to have you. Last week, we talked about iOS, iPadOS, macOS, and there was just so much on the show that we decided to do the rest of the stuff on a, on this show. Uh, so we're following up uh, with watchOS 7, the next version of the operating system for Apple Watch. To say this is a major upgrade, I, I guess so compared to the previous version. I mean, we're getting incremental upgrades now. I guess that's just the maturity of the OS. We're on version seven. It's kind of hard to believe almost. Yeah, and, and there's a fair number of the new features seem to come with the new hardware. And we don't know about the next watch hardware. So yeah, it seems about on the same scale as last year's thing. Um, we're getting sleep tracking, which is one of those items that everyone's been talking about forever wanting to get and it doesn't require new hardware it's going to work on existing apple watches sleep tracking is is a really big deal i've got to say though i'm quite skeptical i'm, I'm really interested to know what you guys think about this i've i've had to come up with my own sort of uh, solution to it without an apple watch I, I use an apple watch always to during the day and i wear a fitbit during the night and that does really good sleep tracking that sort of system it has all its own efficiencies because it means I can charge my watch during the night while I'm wearing the Fitbit and I charge the Fitbit during the day if I need to while I'm wearing the Apple Watch. Yeah. Fitbit is at the moment better than Apple at sleep tracking as far as I can see because there doesn't seem to be any deep sleep or uh, REM sleep analysis after you wake up. I was looking at some of the hands-on people who've done with the beta. Maybe that will improve, um, but yeah. it doesn't seem terribly sophisticated analysis. And on top of that, the Apple Watch I use uh, is the larger of the Series 4 is relatively bulky and the Fitbit I've got is really slimline. So I'm already thinking in what way is this better than the system I have at the moment? Well, it doesn't require two watches. <laughs> <laughs> but but uh, yeah, it's, it's a Apple's sleep tracking appears to be relatively simple. It's just, were you asleep during this time and not... It only works during your defined bedtime. It doesn't just, if you take a nap in the afternoon and it's not during the bedtime hours you defined, it's not going to track your sleep. Like it doesn't that, know that you're It appears to be fairly simple. Some of that more deeper analysis stuff, which you get on Fitbit, you also get from some third-party apps on Apple Watch, like Auto Sleep and stuff. I'm not sure how accurate some of that stuff is. But it's not even, it's, it's like Apple's not even trying to. They're just saying, how many minutes of sleep did you get? Like, did you get, how many hours and minutes did you get? Did you reach your goal? I think it's good they're doing it. It's pretty simple. But I think the whole thing they wrapped around bedtime mode and the wind down to bedtime and getting you to stop using your phone as you go to bed and stuff like that, that seems to be kind of a bigger deal than the sleep tracking. Yeah, it seems, well, it's nice the way they can integrate it with the other devices, particularly the iPhone. It seems to be Apple's approach sometimes with, with features like this where they take a simpler approach and then 
eventually update it. And yeah. I don't know if that's because that's a philosophy they have or if it's because they're trying to figure out a way to do those in-depth steps better or if there are limitations with the hardware that they're still trying to work around. But it's sort of a pattern that Apple has done in the past. But yeah. you're, you're right, David. It is kind of curious that they came out with this much-anticipated feature and there are other devices that seem to do deeper analysis, deeper data collection, and Apple hasn't matched that quite yet. And just less restrictive. And not even other devices. There's about three or four apps you can download today on your Apple Watch without WatchOS 7 that do sleep tracking and do a pretty good job. There's nothing to stop you from just continuing to do that when WatchOS 7 comes out. But these are all, I think they're all paid apps pretty much. So you have to decide, is that worth it for you? When you're not using the Apple Watch to track your sleeping, you can use the Apple Watch to track your workouts. And Apple has introduced four new workouts. I think that's a good idea. And a lot of the new, uh, like the four new workouts, I think they sound really good, particularly dance. I don't know if you guys are much into that. but I'm not at all, but there's uh, people on our staff who are, and I know that that's been a big one for people, is that there's a lot of uh, fitness and fitness classes and stuff like that that are basically right. dance fitness things and it wasn't tracking it very well and and they seem to we were we were just talking about how in sleep they kind of did a very basic job it seems like they did a pretty sophisticated job here of not just going like you're moving but like looking at different kinds of moving during a dance workout to yeah. to do like how much are you to try and figure out how much are you moving your lower body and stuff like that like it's it seems like a pretty sophisticated implementation so yeah, it's kind of, it was kind of surprising that it wasn't available at first because you would think dance workouts is are very is very popular amongst you know the Apple uh, the Apple crowd people who use Apple devices that's a type of workout they are very much into and the fact that it wasn't there you know again maybe it's just one of those things where they were just trying to figure out how to implement it how to make it work correctly and they finally did. I feel like they were trying to explain how difficult it is to yeah. analyze any one particular kind of workout because they show you know, as you said they showed you have to work out are the arms moving or are the legs moving and in what way are they moving and that's how you work out and then there's a heart rate and so on they can't just apply the same algorithms to every workout because they're all so different and they yep. kind of have to approach it one at a time which feels really weird but they sort of literally have to go okay we've worked out how to track running now we start from a clean slate to try and do dancing. As you said, it's a, really, it's a really popular way of keeping fit. I remember I used to go to weddings and I'd worry that I wouldn't get my goals for the day on my Apple Watch. And then at the <laughs> end of the night, I'd go, wow, I did loads of calories because of all the dancing. Yeah. So it obviously works already, but it will be nice to get proper metrics of it. Yeah. It shows how fit you are getting. I thought it was kind of appropriate for our time. There's a new hand washing feature that you can use on the Apple Watch. I, this this has the feeling of, you know, one of those, hey, can you write this up real quick <laughs> and, and make it in time for WWDC? And someone did. So it's it's this is very cool. I, I actually love this. <laughs> it's it's not that hard for something on your wrist to kind of determine that motion that very yeah. unique motion of washing your hands, that like short back and forth kind of thing. And just to start timing you. A lot of people don't know what 20 seconds is and they're doing <laughs> a really bad job washing their hands. So just have your watch because ding when you're done is a really, really cool thing. You can just turn it off if you don't like it. 
yeah, this is a really smart idea. Even outside of the COVID pandemic we're in and everything, just making sure people are washing their hands well, just it keeps people healthy. It's we, we all know what a great job it does of keeping people healthy. It's weird it hasn't been launched by anybody else, isn't it? I mean, Apple was saying yeah. this is the first uh, wearable, I think they said, that has this feature. It's a bit strange. Because yeah. it, it feels kind of old already. I mean, we've been going through this since the end of 2019, and this is the first wearable to actually tackle it. So yeah. it, just, it seems like a simple thing to do, but maybe it's not. Yeah, maybe it's, it's actually quite hard, and maybe it requires the new accelerometers and stuff that are just in the more modern the as series four and series five or something. I don't know, but it's, it definitely seems like the kind of thing anyone with a Fitbit could do. And they just haven't, I, I expect we're going to see this cl- copied a lot. I think right. a lot of other people are going to do some sort of hand washing timer. The next step is probably going to be some sort of hand washing reminders to make sure you wash your hands X times a day. Um, mm. I think it already has one. Uh, a, this is smarter geofencing thing built in where you can say, remind me to wash my hands when I get home. So if you have your home address yeah. in and you, it's detected that you've left, then when you get home, it reminds you wash your hands. So my Apple Watch is already reminding me to breathe and to stand. <laughs> I, know you know, <laughs> I turn off the breathe in the stand thing, so I can't. Yeah. Yeah. It's too much bugging me about basic things. You always start off with loads of that, don't you? Whenever there's a new feature, you put all the notifications on, and then you go, yeah. actually, this is really annoying. Yeah. <laughs> it's really annoying. I'm it's, turning it all on. Yeah. Forget this. Apple also introduced a new feature that I don't know if I will necessarily use, and it's the ability to share watch faces. You can customize you know, your watch face the way you like, and I guess... If you see a watch face on someone else's watch that you, you like, you have the ability to share it and use it as well, I, I guess. Is, am I missing something from, watch, from sharing watch faces? Somebody could sell, sell me on this feature. I'm not loving it myself either. I, I don't okay. really see the point of it. I think yeah, it's, you, a, you, it's a good idea. I don't know how much it's for me, but I think this is a really cool idea. Like there's a number of watch faces and they still don't have any kind of custom watch faces, which is what we all want. Like we all want developers or somebody to be able to make custom watch faces and they can't, but there's enough customization in style within each watch face and colors and which complications you put there and all this other stuff that some people have some cool looking stuff. And for developers or people or whatever to use, you can do iMessage, you can put a link on the web. You can share it within your app if you're a developer. You can set these watch face things. And and so somebody can just look at one and go like, that looks really cool. And instead of having to fiddle through and choose everything on their watch, they can hit a link and get that set up on their watch. I think a lot of people will be into that. There's If you ever look at like, say, Reddit's watch, Apple Watch uh, subreddit or something, you'll see everybody's into like, colors of bands and all this, uh, you know, all this, the matching their Apple watch with their other accessories and stuff. That's not a part of the market I'm like into. That's not me, but there are people who are really into that. And I think they'd be really into look at this awesome Apple watch and sharing it with a link and then other people can grab it. That makes a lot more sense that people, I guess I don't see the watch that way. You know, people see the watch Mm -hmm. as more fashionable. And so they want to do things like, have their watch face reflect the fashion that they're wearing at the time or, you know, whatever outfit they're working in that, that 
it makes a lot more sense to me. It's because the funny thing, like, the, I guess the thing I do is, well, first off, the Apple Watch isn't on all the time. So when I see someone else's watch, it's usually nothing on the screen. And I actually personally make it a point to not look at other people's Apple Watches when it's on, because I feel like that's personal information that I'm kind of peeking at. Do you know what I mean? I want, I want to, and I want to preserve that person's privacy. I guess that's just a personal. It's like, like overlooking their phone. You feel like you're right, or, or when when someone's using their phone and you can look at it. I I immediately go, oh, I, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to pry, kind of thing. So, and a lot you of bring people, up a good point that the yeah. screen is like off for people, like almost all the time, <laughs> <laughs> visibly to others. You know, the screen is off until you like l- deliberately look at it. So yeah, yeah, unless you got the always on. But then that's a different version of it, isn't it? Yeah, so that's sort of a different phase. But this seems like the kind of thing that has no downside. Like if you just don't like it, you can just ignore it. It's not like stuff and features in your face you don't need or anything. So yeah, this, this helps make the style of Apple Watch more viral and stuff because it can be posted anywhere online and everything. Yeah. So it's really yeah. cool. Um, some other features that are in the new Watch OS. There's some new map features, new Siri. Uh, there's a new hearing utility, I guess you can call it. Uh, what's new in complications? I'm not. That so you can there. you can now have more than one complication from a single app. Oh right. So, yeah. so the example they gave is like a surfing app could have like one for the the temperature of the water and one for the waves, you know, coming yeah. the tide or whatever. Yeah, so the not, weather stuff. One, you know. The weather stuff will be huge because they never have enough to give you the things, all the things you want. Like you'll have a, you want a temperature one and you want a conditions one or something. So yeah, that makes sense. That's really cool. Stuff like this, it, it always makes me feel like I use the Apple Watch wrong because um, <laughs> I, I don't, I don't use a lot of complications. Like I, I feel like I'm a heavy user because I'm always obsessed with the activity stuff on the Apple Watch and I get right. notifications on it all the time and I'm really into it. But I mostly just use pre-installed apps and I use a fairly generic uh, watch face with just a couple of complications on it. It's got the decibel sensor and the activity stuff at the bottom and the date, and that's it. And so when I see these new faces that have five, six complications, I don't think I could take all that information in. Like when I, I often end up looking at my watch twice. Like I look, I look at it and then I see how many calories <laughs> I've burned. Then I go, oh, but I didn't see what time it was. I don't know if this stuff is for me, maybe, I'm not a typical user. I don't know. My, I mean, my current watch face has two complications on it and it's the one is the date. So it's not, (laughs) it's not, yeah, I'm not a heavy, but I have used other ones that have more complications on it. And you get to the point where you want to put other glanceable info on there, like battery levels of things. So you can say like, Oh, how much, you know, you don't have to fiddle with opening your AirPods case and stuff like that to check your battery. You just look at it real quick. Look at your wrist they're making features for people who use the watch differently than me, but I think those markets are definitely out there. I think there's people who do definitely use their watch in these other ways. Yeah, I definitely underutilize my watch. Like I've said on this show before, I even before Apple Watch, I wasn't a watch wearer at all. Since I work for Macworld, I feel obligated to use an Apple Watch and I wear it, but I still have the habit of pulling out my phone and then while I'm using my phone, realizing, oh, that same information's on my watch, I could have just gone, looked at yeah. my wrist. Old habits are hard to break, I guess, for me. And these new features, I don't know if I'll, I'll take full advantage of them either. I got to get into, I have to change my mindset somehow. Old habits, old habits. Well, if you want to learn more about Watch OS 7, we've got an article talking about the new features. You can get a link to that 
in our show notes or on the macworld.com website. Apple also introduced tvOS 14 with some new features. So if you're into Apple's little streaming box, you have some 4K YouTube videos to look forward to. Yay! <laughs> I can't believe this took so long. This is this is kind of silly. It's a it's a it's a codec licensing thing. So YouTube videos they just they're just uh, MP4s or like ABC files up to 1080p and then beyond 1080p they use the VP9 codec. It's open source, but it's not free license codec. Apple never wanted to license it. Now I can't tell if they decided to license it or if it's that both YouTube and Apple and everybody else are behind this new upcoming advanced video codec called AV1. And they're starting to publish new YouTube videos, the higher res stuff via the AV1 codec if you have a device that supports it. So maybe they're just supporting AV1 and that's where this is going. But either way, newer YouTube videos, they kind of said the latest YouTube videos. So maybe it's just new, newly published ones, but you can actually finally see the most <laughs> popular video site on the internet <laughs> in 4K <laughs> on your 4K device. You can also get picture and picture everywhere. I guess it could be very helpful if like you like to do say like a workout video and you want to have some news on in the background or something like that, which is I think one of the, de the demonstration that they showed. Yeah. Uh, there's some gaming improvements. Yeah. Support for a couple, couple more controllers than a couple more Xbox controllers. And then uh, a thing where it's not what you want. You want the ability for if two people are playing a game, it's like a two player game on the same console on the same TV, yet you're both using your Game Center account. It doesn't do that. It just lets you like switch Game Center accounts within the game without yeah. having to like leave, sign in with the multi-user thing through another thing. You can just in a game switch, oh, somebody else is playing, I'm gonna switch to their Game Center account and it will load their save and stuff. So it's still kind of one player at a time. So it's not, not really. it's not couch co-op then. Um, it's not it's not really couch oh. co-op. It's more like switch game center accounts without having to switch the entire user account for the whole T Apple TV and log somebody in and get a different home screen and all that other stuff. You know, I mean, that's clearly, that's clearly better, but it's, it's, not, not, as, it's yeah. not as good as I thought it was going to be. It's I, not I, as good really as a 15 year old gaming console. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> it's like way out well, of it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Cause I've, I've been looking a lot of Apple, Apple arcade games and one of the biggest issues people came out with like particularly with uh, there's a pac-man game on apple arcade which is so good it's so good but you can't do co you can't do local multiplayer on the apple tv which is the whole it would be so good if they let you do that and i yeah i really thought that was coming so i'm a bit gusted about that even if you oh, couldn't terrible. do it uh you can do that kind of thing but it like with one profile and the other person's just some guest they're not they can't use right. any game center profile or anything which is not what you want there are a whole bunch of um, new implementations with HomeKit, that, which involve um, mostly like with security cameras. So you can see security camera footage on your Apple TV. The Home app that you use to manage all your HomeKit stuff is not on the Apple TV, but they have a Home View that's like slides in as part of Control Center that lets you see security your HomeKit security cameras and stuff and set scenes. And stuff. So it's sort of a limited selection of stuff from the home app is on this essentially a sidebar control panel that slides in from yeah. the side. And then there's also a new audio sharing feature where you can use your 
AirPods to connect to your Apple TV, and now you'll be able to do it with a second person. At first, I kind of went, well, why do I need this? And then in my house, <laughs> my house is small. So you like in the next room literally is like my son yelling at his friends online playing his games <laughs> and you can't hear the TV. That's kind of like, uh, yeah, this is, this is perfect for that. <laughs> this feature would be perfect for that. So I could hear what's on the TV. They brought that, brought that in uh, on iOS last year, wasn't it? Was it iOS 13 brought in audio sharing? Yeah. The AirPods? And I, yep. and I love that idea. So I'm, I'm, I'm quite into this idea again, but I have discovered I never use audio sharing. Like, so my, my wife has AirPods as well as I do. And I thought we'll do this all the time. And we don't, because um, it's what it's like you said, it's like you have to really think about when is this going to be useful? Yeah. And there's some contexts. Um, there's... It doesn't hurt. It's like, it's like you said, it's one of those features where if you don't want to use it, if it's, if it's no good to you, just don't use it. It's no harm done, but can't yeah. see it being... It's it's if you have two kids in the back seat watching a video on the iPad together, that kind of thing. When you're taking a road trip, yeah. I used it once, uh, and that was um, to when my wife and I were flying for Christmas and wanted to watch movies on the iPad. You know, just each have our AirPods, and just that was great. It was brilliant. Once we got it working, it took a little fiddling to get it working right, but yeah, that was that was it. And I think some families run into those situations more than others. So if you want more information on tvOS, the new features, we've got a list of them and details on our website. Check them out at macworld.com. So while WWDC was chock full of operating system announcements, there was one big hardware reveal. The first Apple Silicon Mac made its debut. It's in the form of the developer transition kit that software developers can use. It's a Mac mini outfitted with an A12Z system on a chip inside. So it's real, I guess. <laughs> it's real, it's here. Uh, if you have to be a developer to get this kit. I, I believe you have to make like a $500 deposit or something like that, which actually mm -hmm. makes it the cheapest Mac you can get. Well, borrow, I guess, because well, you, yeah, you, but... you have to give it back. Supposedly, yeah. you have to give it back. I That's probably what Apple... the $500 is for. Right. In case you don't give it back. Right. <laughs> so it has 16 gigabytes of RAM, 512 gigabyte SSD. Uh, it's running a special version of Big Sur that runs on Apple Silicon. I'm trying not to call it an ARM processor i'm trying to use right. apple's nomenclature i'm trying to yeah. say it is the it's the instruction set right it's yeah so why why call it arm but yeah it's and and apple was really clear that this is not what consumers will get they're going to ship consumer the first consumer systems anyway before the end of the year and it will not be this this is just for developers it will have whatever that is whether it's a laptop or desk we don't know but it will have Silicon made four Macs and probably be much faster than this thing, <laughs> I would assume. Somebody grabbed, got a hold of this device and then they ran Geekbench on it. And mm. Geekbench uh, allows you to upload the results. So if you go to geekbench.com and look through the results, you'll find benchmarks for this particular machine. And the benchmarks are, they're okay. 
some people might be thinking that there's going to be a big jump in performance, but you have to remember there are a whole lot of contingencies involved. Yeah. It's not optimized. The software is not optimized. Geekbench right. is probably running under Rosetta. It, yeah, it is. There's no Geekbench for Mac OS that runs for uh, the Apple Silicon. So we can, it's actually interesting because this is the same chip with less RAM that is in a, an iPad Pro. Uh, and we can compare that Geekbench score, which is optimized for Apple Silicon and running under iOS to Mac OS running under Rosetta and see how much performance you give up. You know, and it's, it's kind of interesting. It's about 25% to 40% on the multitasking thing, which is a big hit, but also considering you're translating Intel <laughs> optimized code to this Apple Silicon ARM code, that's actually kind of impressive. And even after doing all that, it's still running as fast as like a brand new MacBook Air. It's impressive, but yeah. from a PR point of view, this is kind of disastrous, isn't it? Well, I mean, yes and no. They, I, I think normal people don't have any clue that this thing even exists. And yeah. the people who do, the people who are going to notice this have been told a bunch of times and know that like this is not what people are going to buy. <laughs> this is not it. I think we're in pretty good shape if the first consumer systems they ship that come out this fall are much faster than their Intel equivalents when running optimized code and pretty much on par with the Intel equivalents when running translated, uh, you know, Rosetta apps, I should say, like apps made for Intel that aren't optimized. If, we're, if that's the place we're in and there's other benefits to the system, better battery life or whatever, um, Apple's probably in pretty good shape. Do you feel like they should have released their own benchmark scores and then they could have got in front of it and explained them a bit better? Probably not because then everybody would, everyone would run with those. And then this is also not, this is not a chip we'll ever get in in a Mac. We'll call it a new Mac, a Mac with Apple Silicon. We'll never see this chip in it. Yeah. So they'll come out with scores when they announce the new Macs this fall and they're, You know, yeah. have a big presentation. They'll they'll get some sort of it's and it's up to twice as fast as. I understand the idea of getting in front of it because you want to control your messaging. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they can't. They can't anymore. Yeah. As soon as they said to yeah. the developers, "You can't benchmark this." Of course, of, of course. course they did, and of course <laughs> they popped up online, and they can't keep all that stuff inside anymore. So, I don't know if I, I feel like they've dropped the ball on this a little bit because they could have said totally transparently we're releasing this limited edition only to developers here's how it's showing in scores you'll get a totally different one to this don't worry yeah explain why because as you all right as you said normal people don't know about this story but it is leaking out a bit and you've got the you've got like the core people that have heard the story and understand why it's slower there's a bigger circle around that of people that have heard the story but only know vaguely Oh, Apple Silicon's a bit slow, isn't it? It sounds like it's not even as fast as an iPad Pro. I don't know. I, it's, it's been a bit weirdly handled for me. That's all I'd say. Yeah, and it's only it's slowly slow if you compare compare it to itself running, you know, optimized code. Yeah, code yeah. It, the weird thing is like it isn't slower than an entry level iPad, uh, an entry level Mac Mini or a brand new MacBook Air, like the entry level MacBook Airs. So it's pretty much as fast as those when and and this is when running translated code so it starts there and goes faster even with this chip that's not even the chip we're going to get 
that's worse yeah. than the chip we're going to get. But yeah. you have to, now it's up to the, the world out there to kind of try to explain these things. And that doesn't come across in a headline that someone shares on social media. <laughs> this is very Apple where they don't, they try to control the messaging that can't be controlled. And they, and they <laughs> instead of just getting out in front of it. Yeah. If you so, want to learn more about those benchmarks, if you even care, <laughs> or, you know, if you're just curious to see what's going on, you know, keep in mind, there are all these caveats. We, we've got a story on it. You can see the scores. You can see, compare the scores if you like. I really think, all, you know, the scores are going to be a lot different when the official hardware comes out for general, for the general public. Well, that does it for this week's episode of the Macworld Podcast, episode 704. I'd like to thank Jason Cross. Thank you. I'd like to thank David Price. David, how can people get in touch with you if they want to uh, contact you? Oh, that's a, an exciting question. Um, probably <laughs> Twitter, I guess Twitter, um, at Pricivius, uh, P-R-I-C-I-V-I-U-S. Um, drop me a line. Cool. I'll, I'll put a, we'll put a link to that in the show notes. And I'd like to thank you, the audience, for tuning in. You can subscribe to the podcast via iTunes, through SoundCloud, or on Spotify. If you have any comments or questions, you can email us at podcast at macworld.com. Or you can contact us through Twitter, that's at Macworld, or on the Macworld Facebook page. Join us for the next episode of the Macworld podcast as we talk about the latest news and happenings in the world of Apple. See you next time. In three, two, one. Wrapping up our conversation about Apple's Macworld Developers Conference, we're talking about WatchOS 7. Roman. Yes. Macworld Developer Conference. Did I? God damn it. I'm looking <laughs> right at it. That's what I'm talking about. We said I, we mentioned the Macworld Expo earlier and it got in your head. Yeah, yeah. And I'm looking right at it. And I actually just said, uh, I'm looking, I'm Sorry. reading it. And I actually I feel, just. I feel bad. It was a good no, intro otherwise. Bad. Go for it. That's great. All right, here we go. Let's try it again.